Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome back to another episode of the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I am super excited to have you here today because we are going to talk about something that is so important in the neurodivergent community, and that is functioning labels. Mostly we're going to talk about how we're trying desperately to get rid of them and why that is, because I think there's a lot of people who maybe are new to the neurodivergent community or are here to support someone who's neurodivergent who may not understand the harm in functioning labels. And that's okay. If you're learning, welcome. This is a good space for you. We are going to talk about why functioning labels are so harmful and what we can do about it. So let's just dive right in. Basically, if you don't know, functioning labels are the idea that uh, neurodivergent and or generally disabled people have often been labeled as either high functioning or low functioning. And this is something we're trying to get away from now. The main reason being that functioning labels have always been to help neurotypicals or non-disabled people rather than to help neurodivergent or disabled people. It doesn't actually help us. Instead, it helps people feel like they know something about us when really they don't. There's sort of two camps here. There's the more malicious folks, and then there's just people who aren't sure. They, they don't realize the harm that these labels do. So we're going to talk about both camps because I think it's important to distinguish between them because not everybody out here is eugenicist, but some people are. So the more malicious folks out there see functioning labels as a good way to determine who is quote-unquote worthy of fitting into general society, who is close enough to normal to be acceptable and to pass on their genes, basically. Um, you get a lot of this with... Um, Temple Grandin talks a lot about sort of Aspie supremacy. It's this idea that... Um, folks with what was formerly called Asperger's and what is now just autism, um, people with quote-unquote high-functioning autism, um, are a gift and super special and we should embrace them and they make our society better, but low-functioning autistics should try to be cured and or eradicated. And that is simply not true, and it is not something that we advocate for here on this podcast at all. So these more malicious folks, they use functioning labels to determine who is worthy of passing on their genes and who isn't. And that is eugenics. That is trying to filter out the autism gene or the ADHD gene or the dyslexia gene, trying to get rid of neurodivergent folks. And functioning labels play a very large role in this. And that is one of the big reasons we are trying to get rid of them. Because when we label people by how well they fit into neurotypical society, by how close they can come to acting neurotypical, by how neurotypical they're able to appear and therefore how neurotypical their children might be able to appear. We're encouraging these people and that is the last thing that we want. 
So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know any of this. I've used functioning labels. Am I like a horrible person? The answer is no, absolutely not. Like I said, there's a whole other camp of people who use functioning labels. And those are people who simply don't know any better yet. And you're about to find out. So congratulations, you're about to start using better, more inclusive language. And that's going to make a real difference to the neurodivergent people in your life. So a lot of well-meaning people will use the term high functioning to describe their neurodivergent friends who, you know, they're almost trying to compliment them. Like, you know, hey, I, I know that you have dyspraxia, but you're you're like really high functioning, though. And it's almost meant to be like a compliment. Like, hey, I see how hard you're working. I see how hard you're trying. And I just want you to know it pays off. You come across really normal. And... Unfortunately, that's really not the compliment that people think it is. It's actually really hurtful in a couple of ways. It dismisses the struggle that quote-unquote high-functioning people are actually going through um, because it turns out they're often struggling really hard to appear normal. And being called high-functioning when it, in reality their functioning would be a lot lower if they didn't... Um, spend 99% of their energy trying to hide their neurodivergence, it, it just feels really dismissive a lot of the time. Hi there, everybody. I just want to take a minute to interrupt this podcast episode to tell you all about my program, Neurodivergent Magic. Get shit done in 24 hours or less. Executive dysfunction is one of the number one problems for neurodivergent folks. And if you don't know, executive dysfunction is basically when you really want to do something, you are trying to do something and you just can't get yourself to do it. This is one of the biggest issues amongst neurodivergent people. And I have learned so much on how to cope with it that I want to pass it on to you. In this nine-week group coaching program, we will cover both the emotional side of executive dysfunction and the practical side. So you will learn practical tools for how to cope with it, but you'll also tackle the emotional blocks that make executive dysfunction come back over and over again. If this program sounds right for you, make sure you check out the link in the show notes. I would absolutely love to see you in Neurodivergent Magic. Also, there's generally just a problem with equating functioning with appearing normal, because there's a lot of stuff that's normal that's not exactly what I would call well-functioning, you know? <laughs> there's a lot of things in our society that are widely accepted, but are not actually all that healthy, right? And there's lots of things about neurodivergent people that aren't considered quote-unquote normal, there's nothing unhealthy about it. And therefore, why should we strive to be quote unquote high functioning just to fit into neurotypical society when we don't have to? The idea of high functioning implies that there is a good way to be neurodivergent. There is a way to be neurodivergent in a way that is close to neurotypical. And that makes being neurotypical the goal. And that's absolutely not what we want because we need neurodiversity. We need neurodivergent people in the world. They are, we are essential exactly as we are. 
A lot of these same issues come up when well-meaning people describe someone as low-functioning. Usually, if someone describes someone else as low-functioning, they don't necessarily mean it as a compliment. What they do mean it as is they see it as a neutral description. They see it as oh, it's objectively true that this person functions less well than quote-unquote normal people um, or less well than quote-unquote high-functioning people. And they see it as a neutral description when in fact it's actually quite dismissive uh, because just because someone can't perform neurotypicality doesn't mean they don't have their own strengths that are right there. And somebody might not be able to speak, but they might be able to hold several university degrees. Somebody might have a learning disorder, but they could be a CEO of a company because of their out-of-the-box thinking. You really limit people when you say that they're low-functioning and you lower the expectations for them and raise them, if that makes sense. So you raise the bar by saying they're low functioning. So because the bar is so high, you have to hit this weird bar of being neurotypical when this person isn't neurotypical. And that shouldn't be the bar to measure them by in the first place. So it's not that it's too high. It's that it's the wrong bar, really. Um, And you also set the bar really low by saying, oh, they can't accomplish anything simply because they don't fit my idea of what a normal person does. So those are sort of the two camps of people. There's, There's the more malicious folks, and then there's the people who just didn't know better. And now you do. And that's great. So now you're probably wondering, okay, this is amazing. I'm so glad I know this. What language should I use? And that is such a good question. Some people are in favor of uh, talking about support needs. So someone can have high support needs or low support needs. And that label can change on a day-to-day basis because neurodivergent people's needs often change as the days go by. You know, it depends on the day. It depends on the circumstance. It depends on the support we have around us. And talking about support, it takes the pressure off of neurodivergent people to be neurotypical. And it makes it more about what kind of support do we need to be successful? It, it makes it about us instead of making it about the neurotypical people in our lives. If you're ever in doubt or you don't know how to describe the difference between someone who to you maybe appears high functioning versus someone who appears low functioning and you're not sure how to articulate that difference, remember that maybe that difference isn't all that important. That's a really big thing that a lot of us neurodivergent folks are trying to get across is this idea that all neurodivergent people have a lot more in common than you might think. And our functioning levels are actually probably a lot more similar than they might appear to you. And we don't really need to be distinguished from each other in that way. When it comes to support, it is important to acknowledge what kind of support we need. That is important for our success and for our happiness. But you don't need to distinguish between, you know one person who functions one way and another person who functions another. They're both neurodivergent and they have that in common. And that commonality is far more important than their differences in many ways. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This is such an important topic in the neurodivergent and disability communities. So if there's anyone you know who might not know about this, please feel free to send them this episode so that they can learn and we can improve the way that we talk about neurodivergencies and disabilities.
As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts, and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.